These are good things. This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt of the Cloth, continuing my Bible study on the book of Exodus, where we pick up on uh, chapter 19 today. But we have one and a half questions by Robert. So, <laughs> hit it, Robert. Okay. The one question is last week, um, there was a discussion on manifest destiny and oh, yeah. kind of, uh, yeah, it, it's not a good thing. It's, it's a tool to be used, my interpretation, a tool to be used to uh, get what you want by governments. Because <laughs> if you can get the people behind it, uh, it's God's will, then off we go. And we get what we want, whether it's God's will or not. And so that's bad. Then at the end, we throw in Jethro. Uh -huh. And we say, okay, you know, you're overworking yourself, Moses. So let's take... And my interpretation to, to help with this question. Okay, Jethro, you're, or okay, Moses, you're overworking yourself. So why don't you get a group of people to govern? So let's take God out of the picture mm -hmm. and introduce men into the picture. Mm -hmm. But if God doesn't like it, he'll come back and whack you on the head later. So everything's okay. Yeah. So it's a free pass to do what you want. And if God doesn't like it, then you'll pay for it uh -huh. in the end. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, well, they just opened the door, you know, and I know how things get written. Uh -huh. They're further down the road and they see this. And so they're, they're giving themselves the power. Mm -hmm. And I won't say taking it away from God because Jethro leaves that door open. Yes, he does. You know, he's, he's not completely bailing out on it, but it introduces the concept that, hey, men can rule themselves or men don't need to God to do this. That's exactly right. Yeah, so that, I don't know if that's a question. I mean, that's a pretty good rhetorical statement. Well, it, anyway, it, it, I guess the question really was, you know, am I off base? Because it just, I mean, when you got to that point, it was like, you talk about, I mean, They've already been in trouble for making idols and everything else. That's they right. just stuck themselves instead of, and you said, you know, Moses, you're playing God. Instead of Moses, you playing God, you shouldn't do that. Here, let's have this group of people play God. That's right. And that's okay because he doesn't like it. Anyway, that seems to be what man has done, continues to do. Yes. And, and it leads to things like, where manifest destiny in, in theory makes sense, but it, it leads to the things that humans used God's name in order to enforce power. You know, like if I'm, if I'm going to take over these, these countries and I'm doing it in the name of God, if God doesn't want me to do it, God will stop me. And, and, it, and it comes from this kind of idea that we read last week, which is, uh, exactly why that comes into that conversation. And like you very aptly pointed out, the very first thing is Jethro says here, this is going to help you do the things that you're supposed to do, but let's create a group of people, men, that are going to make those decisions on behalf of God. Which, and I think I might have, I don't know if you got to hear the part about the Sanhedrin, but what, what ends up happening is by the time you get to the time of Christ, that group of people that Moses is creating here ends up becoming the Sanhedrin. And so they have representatives from every 
uh, social caste in that group. And, and we understand what happens with the Sanhedrin. They become corrupt. And, but if th this, is, this is the dangerous part, then I think, I don't think I emphasized this enough was <clears throat> the dangerous part here, what we just got done reading, is this, it, it, it gives um, infallibility to human error in the name of God. It says, if I do this and God doesn't want me to do it, I, I would, I would get, I'd get punished if God didn't want me to do that. And so since I didn't get punished, this is totally okay. The, the problem with this, all the way up until this point, that's not how God operates. That's, that's not how God operates in any way, shape, or form. And, and interestingly enough, when we start chapter 19, it's the same idea. Because part of the problem with chapter 19 is, is that most scholars can't agree if it was one person writing this or if it was a group of people writing chapter 19 and 20 specifically. Um, and, and, and the reason this matters is just because it's, it's the way that God operates. So they say all this stuff last week. Here, Jethro gives you this idea. This is who's going to re lead you. And then in chapter 19, it sets up, okay, now here's how God is going to work with us now that that's happened. And there's a problem with this in the translation. Um, the, the very first part of the translation, it has uh, God being heard. Like that the God's an auditory uh, deity. Like God speaks, we hear, no one dies, right? Then, as chapter 19 continues, this is the time that you start to hear the language where if, uh, you're, if God is seen, you'll die. You can't, you can't see God because then you'll die. Um, and then there's this whole thing at the end of chapter 19 that we create what's called the Decalogue of, of God, where God is all of those things and then none of them. And so... So right at the end of 18, they've created this crazy body of leaders that hear the voice of God, that do the things of God, and if they aren't supposed to do it, God will punish them. And then in chapter 19, they're like, yeah, but God operates like dot, 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 dot. And then so 19 and 20, there's this weird dialogue about how does God operate within the people? And this is why scholars are mad, because... Uh, they don't even agree in what they're writing. In two whole chapters, they go back and forth. And so the scholars still struggle with, okay, was this written by the group of Levitical priests that have been writing everything else? Or is this one person's idea and they've interjected here and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, and then they've interjected? Or did they all decide that this is the, the unified idea? You see, you see how complicated that becomes? But it stays. But it stays. I mean, that's right. No, it doesn't change. It stays. It becomes a part of Torah, and so I. It's funny you should say all this because in preparation today, because I I really wanted to be ready to go for the day. One of the things that's really complicated is because we're we're leading to chapter twenty four, right? We're we're trying to get to chapter twenty four. In this time frame, we're going to start talking about covenants, and we're going to talk about ten commandments, and. God being amongst us, um, and not just Moses, but Moses being the voice of the people, even more, like he's, he's creating laws. 
here between 19 and 24. And, and in order for me to get prepared for this, I had to go back and read all my seminary stuff and the notes that we took on this. <clears throat> and I'd forgotten how much the scholars disagree on so many different topics on this particular passage. The, the, they really struggle with this idea. What ends up becoming is that the word that they use is the theophany, the theophany of God, right? Like the trying to create the order of how God works. Um, re remember, I'm, I'm going to melt your brain for just a second. P part of what happens here in the book of Exodus is that we're, you want to think primitive, like earliest writings. How do we describe God? Well, at that time, they were still, you know, we go back to that classic theological construct. God is up here in the land of the eternal. There's no time whatsoever. God looks down on God's creation. And then human beings on earth have to look up. Right? That's simple. But everything down here has a time. Hence Ecclesiastes. There's this, this idea that everything has a season, right? So these people down here are trying to describe what's happening here. And this is their very first attempt, which is hard for us because we've already got a, a formalized understanding of who God is, what God is, how Jesus operates in that, right? Like that's not even in their, even in their scope of thought. And so things like, well... If, if I do this and God doesn't punish me, then God must have had, had a reason. And then they've got to back it up. So this is the basic primitive understandings of God. So with that being said, how do we describe what God is? I mean, like if you and I were standing out and talking about it, we would, well, let's just do that just for the sake of Bible study. How do you know if God's speaking to you? Individual in here about the study. You just get that gut feeling, something that's good to do the right thing. Uh -huh. I think it's through my conscience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Like I said, I was trying to think, but you got to be somewhat aware of your mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm with y'all, but, and I don't think I'm saying anything out of school here. Pam has heard God speak. I mean, he, she heard words that he spoke to her. And I think just once, but I mean, it was when her first husband was dying and she, uh, he just told her that he would take care of her. And after that, she had a calmness and a peacefulness. Which makes me makes it difficult with for me because a lot of these people I don't believe everybody that says God spoke to them. I'll put it that way. I struggle there. I struggle there too. <laughs> Especially when they're asking for money, mm -hmm. it, it just that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. <clears throat> well, it makes you wonder: is there something wrong with me? I think for me, it's just a calmness. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I had a big argument with him one time, and at the end of it, I 
I really felt good. And, and he didn't answer my, my argument for like 10 years. So, <laughs> but at that time I really felt good. And then 10 years later, it's like, aha. Uh -huh. These, these statements that you're all making are the same problems that the writers are having. Think about it. God speaks to Moses. Why not Aaron? Aaron speaking on behalf of Moses. Aaron grew up with all these people. Moses is the one that was taught by Egyptians, treated like a king, literally. And then all of a sudden he kills somebody, runs out in the desert, and God chooses him to go save all the people. I mean, that's if you're if you're a little priest, you're gonna be mad. Right? Yeah, you should have spoken to the Levite. Should have spoken to the Levite. Well, Moses was a Levite too, but he wasn't the oldest. He ended up going to Jethro. Oh, there we go again. We're back to Jethro. God has spoken to someone else. And the Talmud really fills in a lot of background on Jethro. Oh, yeah. He's not just some guy one person sitting out by well. Right. He was a big Egyptian guy before he went back to his home country. I mean, and I had to go back and do some more research on the, the versions of the Talmud. You know, because I wanted you that the ones I showed you guys was well, the one you found and the one you bought was this, those are the Babylonian Talmuds. They're the they're the oldest of the groups. There's like four different Talmuds, right? Like that's the other problem with this whole thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. See again, there's all of these voices that were spoken at the same time, but we're 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 condensing it all into this one ancient primitive text but that there was there's like four different versions of the Talmud totally forgot about that and then went back and did my research I was like oh yeah there's this one and there's a Babylonian one there's a Syrian one there's a there's a kind of an Egyptian one but it's not really Egyptian and then there's but they say the same thing it's not that big of a difference the story is the same mostly I tried to find the information on the one that I have yeah. And in the Google world, and it won't go there. Uh -uh. I mean, there's just, there's no background on the guy that wrote it. About as close as I remember is, okay, it was written in 1400 or 1200. Right. You know, and you're sitting there going, well, this is a lot of information being being shared and taught a long time after yeah. the Old Testament. That was, yeah. So all of this has to go to chapter 19. You see, you see how complicated this gets? <laughs> So now we've, now we've got the idea of God. Now we need to describe how God operates. So here we go. You all ready? Yeah. Well, the third moon after the Israelites had gone forth from the land of Egypt, on that very day, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. Now, it's also important to point out that they do this so that you have geographical locations in case anybody questions their their lineage, like where, where it is that they live. It's not just for the Jews, it's for anybody that works with it. Because if they have the oldest written text, they can prove this. Okay. Uh, having journeyed from Rephidim, the, the entered, they entered the wilderness of Sinai and encamped in the wilderness. And Israel encamped there in front of the mountain. And Moses went up to God. The Lord God called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and declare to the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians 
how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to me. Now then, if you will obey me faithfully and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Indeed, all the earth is mine, but you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. Moses came and summoned the elders of the people and put before them all that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered as one, saying, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud in order that the people may hear. Do you remember me telling you? There's the auditory version. Mm -hmm. That when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. Then Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and warn them to stay pure today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Okay, so there's this ritual here that says we have to be clean before we see God. Does this sound familiar? Your Sunday best. Your Sunday best. There's, there's also an idea of what we would call baptism. This, this idea is early on in the Hebrew texts uh, that we must wash ourselves before God. Let them be ready for the third day. Is coincidence? Kind of. And on the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. You shall set bounds for the people round about, saying, Beware of going up the mountain or touching the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be either stoned uh, or shot. Beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. So Moses came down from the mountain to the people and warned the people to stay pure. And they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Is that what your says? Abstain from sexual relations. Abstain yeah. from sexual, sexual relations. Yeah. Is that what it said before? <clears throat> Is that what God said? They're not allowed to touch oh. the mountain. They're not allowed to be on the mountain. Anything on the mountain will die. Moses mm -hmm. comes down and he says, be ready on the third day and don't have sex. That's not what God said. No, he said, mm -hmm. have them wash their clothes. Well, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. That's right. God says something completely different. But for some reason, you see why the scholars get mad. Like, <laughs> it's not consistent. <clears throat> well, you tell me not to be logical, but they're trying to be logical, too, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Exactly. And so part of this, do not go near a woman, this is an insert okay. because of religious imp impurity. <laughs> if one is to have intercourse with someone, they have to uh, re-cleanse themselves. It's this weird idea, which it makes it hard for you to go into the sanctuary or into a uh, into this temple because of being religiously impure. There's, there's a lot of issues with this. Make, remember that the Levitical priests do everything they can to make women impure in different parts of their life. Having a child, having, having a, a child, having a period, <laughs> not having a child, not having a child. You know, all of those things they lift up as bad things. And, and notice that right off the bat, this that is not what God had said. Somebody did, but not God. I just really got to point that out. This is this is your first check mark to say, if I was a Jewish feminist, 
<laughs> I would have a huge problem with this passage just right here. Why did Moses say that? God didn't. Moses did. So, and I, I would, I would, I would, I would have a very good case to say that somebody inserted this here. If I was doing what we call like um, source criticism or form criticism, like if I'm looking at the source, where did these words come from? And I'm writing an academic argument about it. I'd say, well, these words could not have come from a Levitical priest. They had to have come from here. Why? Well, because Levitical priests write this way. I could look at it from a form criticism and say, these are not the ways that God speaks to people. But this person obviously doesn't know that. So there's your critique. You see how I could go this really quickly? This is why I made such a big deal about the scholars arguing about this so much. Do you think this is a, a slam against the other religions? Yes, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. The other religions that have sex as a part of the ritual, as well as those that just look at sex as just something else. To them, sex was about bringing life. If you brought life, if you were to have sex, you were to bring life. If you didn't do that, it's impure, which is ridiculous. Sorry, not even the ancient Jews didn't believe that. So, like, why, why did the Levitical priests somehow did? I don't know. That was the six hundred fourteenth law. That's the six hundred fourteenth. Didn't law. even make it Sex on their list. Sex is not supposed to be fun. Okay, well, cool. Well, I got you. Yeah. So, I mean, I can hear hear my 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 Hebrew Bible professor say, "This is this is not this is not a God thing. This is this is something." But she probably wouldn't use that language. She would probably say something to the effect if you are going to argue this is the place that i would argue first there's another one coming so i just want to make a big deal mm-hmm. of that. then he goes on on the third day as morning dawned there was thunder and lightning and a dense cloud upon the mountain and every and a very loud blast of the horn what horn we don't know but there's a horn i say it's ram's horn ram's horn good and so, the sunday school lesson for, for this sunday they talk about um, instruments where the Psalms have been for four weeks, I think. And it says, when it says trumpet blast, it's usually talking about a ram, ram, ram's horn. But other times when it says trumpet, there was some kind of horn. Yes. So like it's a really, well, and, and the historical understanding is that so far the big ram's horn that they blow was used for one thing. And then the metal instrument that they got from the Babylonians and the Persians, because there's this metal bugle looking thing that we found that goes all the way back to like 3000 BC they would use. Uh, and it was to herald in royalty. Yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, but they had fun with it. Kids. Yeah. The, the coolest part about these tribes is they, they, they were very musical. So we can go back and look at these instruments that were made out of metal <laughs> or whatever. And they, they added valves, did all kinds of cool stuff with them, but no one else did for thousands of years. So, so yeah, it could be both or it could be either. The, 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 but there's a weirdness here, right? You're supposed to know it's a ram's horn. That's <laughs> <laughs> the reader. You're supposed to know this. They already do. They're making the assumption you know. Well, they mentioned it earlier as, as the end of it. That's right. I mean, when you hear the ram's horn, when you hear the ram's horn it's time to go. Who's playing the ram's horn is the question. <clears throat> is God playing the horn? Angel is angel. 
Hmm, interesting. It's got to be somebody on the mountain. And Somebody's on the mountain playing the horn. And none of them can get there. I just, you, you, I just want you all to see the really weirdness of this passage. It's just interesting. So the, the horn gets played. Uh, and all the people who were in the camp trembled. <laughs> of course they would. Moses led the people out of the camp toward God, and they took their places at the foot of the mountain. Now this... In Hebrew, is this really awesome uh, language here, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But this at the foot of the mountain, this idea of being at something so large that the whole tribe of Israel has to stop. <laughs> Remember my whole idea? And look up, right? There's only one thing on earth that's that big, a mountain. See how cool that is? So now Mount Sinai was all in smoke. For the Lord had come down upon it in fire. There it is again. The smoke rose like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled violently. In some places, you see this whole mountain also translated mm -hmm. as people, and the whole people um, trembled violently. It'd be like a volcano. Like a volcano, right, right, right. And it would make sense too, right? Mm -hmm. if, if it's near a volcano or an earthquake happens, they would they would recognize this. Um. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, and, and down and on top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. The Lord said to Moses, go down, warn the people not to break through to the Lord to gaze, lest many of them perish. The priests also who come near the Lord must stay pure, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds about the mountain and sanctify. So the Lord said to him, go down and come back together with Aaron, but not let the priests or the people break through to come up to the Lord, and he broke, and he, lest he break out against them. And Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Now, here's issue number two. Now God can't, uh, is going to be heard by the people. Now, God can't be seen by people, except for who? Aaron and Moses. And? Whoever's blowing that trumpet. <laughs> well, and he, he even says it in verse 22. Well, it says the priest on duty. Who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, but then it says, but the priests and the people must not force their way to come up to the Lord. So I don't know what difference it makes whether they're consecrated or not, because they can't go up there anyway. Exactly. But where did priests come from? Well, I wondered that mm -hmm. myself. We haven't had priests yet. We haven't had priests yet. So now we have priests. We don't have priests. And we skip verse 19, where the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, which uh -huh. means somebody on that mountain is blowing it because the people aren't up there. That's right. So it can't be Moses, it can't be Aaron, and it's, and as Robert said, well, maybe it's just an angel. The rabbi would agree with you. Somebody's got to be up there. Somebody's yeah. got to be up there. And it's going to get louder and louder. It's got to be an angel. And God doesn't need to blow his own horn, so. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You all are very good at this Midrash stuff now. I'm very proud of you. So so now so now there's this, this, this second part of this. this. Okay, so now God God can be heard. So why is God not telling them this? In well, this second part here. He he's he can be heard, but he's not speaking to them. 
he can be seen, but he's he not can't really be seen him. because he's in I a mean, cloud or smoke. So he's created clouds and smoke, mm -hmm. so now they can't physically see him. Right. Why would God make all of this effort for him not to be heard to all the people? He just got done saying right before this, I'm going to do this in a, in such a way that people can hear me. Yeah, it says so yeah. the people will hear me speaking with you. But I'm going to be in the dense huh? cloud. 22. Yeah, and then there's 22. Well, no, I mean the priests. Oh, yeah. Oh, then you've got priests now. So well, now, yeah. now, now they're there to interpret. So here's, here's this second part of this, why scholars mm -hmm. really... Just get frustrated about this. This this doesn't make sense. Yeah, it this doesn't belong is, in there. <laughs> doesn't belong here. Something in here does not belong. So, what the scholars argue about, and it's going to continue on. We've got one more that we got to talk about before we move on to the cool stuff. Other cool stuff is <clears throat> so now we've got an auditory God who doesn't want them to hear him. You've now got a, a visual God that he doesn't want them to see him. <laughs> You've now got a uh, you've now got a cast of people, you know, and I'm, I don't mean C-A-S-T, I mean C-A-S-T-E. You now have Moses and Aaron who are fully in the role of prophet and high priest. You now have priests and then Israel <laughs> that has now been created. None of those things came from God until verse 22. Everything else was, I'm here, I want them to hear me, I want them to know. So it goes back to the beginning of this discussion of God puts people in power. They are supposed to do the right thing. They're supposed to listen for God's voice. They're supposed to be motivated by God's voice. Even us in this room said that we hear it. There's a gut feeling. There's a conscience. So they're trying to articulate this in such a way. This is the very first way of articulating God's presence. It's not that bad. It's frustrating for scholars, but you know, if you think about it in the sense of I'm teaching it to a bunch of kids, none of them would argue with this. I I wouldn't argue with it. I mean, you mean to me that's what God is. Yeah. You can see him, but you can't see him. You can hear him, but you can't hear him. I mean, <laughs> and some people hear the voice of God and some people don't. I don't think I've ever physically heard the voice of God. I mean, I, I know people that have yeah. my dad. 100% said he heard the voice of God telling him to go into ministry. I don't ever, I have never doubted my dad's calling in the ministry. Uh, my dad felt it at a church camp experience. Uh, I never heard the voice of God, but I do know that God has motivated me in different places of my life. And I can super hyperanalyze that and say I could academically and psychologically my brain processed in such a way that gave me peace and understand that this is what well that had to come from someplace right it's like the big bang theory God spoke and bang the world was created right well if you die if you hear him and go that route then he just puts that information in your head so you don't have to hear him exactly you know that just really blows me when, <laughs> when you say God spoke and the world was created that isn't big thing there. I is think no. all the different parts of just our bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it happened like that. <clears throat> it's, it's just almost unbelievable, but you know it is. It, it happened. But he didn't necessarily do it all at one time. He did it in thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years. Right. But the Big Bang Theory is not that God did that, but that it no. happened. 
No, I, and, and, I, and Big I'm Bang more, Theory. Theory is not God. My, mine, mine is the rabbinical Big Bang Theory. Okay. The, the God breathed the breath of life and yeah. bang, it happened. So I like to play the words on the, on the game of that. You know, so the, yeah, the Big Bang Theory itself, scientifically, it still could be, it could be analyzed very easily through a theist lens. You could look at it through an understanding of God. In this, in this particular passage, however, we're trying to decide, they're trying to decide what form of God are we going to teach and keep? <laughs> you see how that's interesting? Genesis doesn't give us that ability. I read the other day that the Big Bang Theory, uh -huh. there has to be something before it. Something before it, right. Before the Big Bang. So well, that's, I mean, the, well, the article I was reading was not discounting the Big Bang Theory. They were just stating there has to be something before it. Sure. I mean, that it just, you know, even when it just goes bang, there has to be something there to go <laughs> bang. So in the, in the rabbinical Midrashic understanding of that, there's God was the bang, the it, before the it. You know, so there's this, and I'm making a big deal of that on purpose because here they're trying to describe that. What is, what is happening here? God walked amongst humans in the time of Adam and Eve. What did God, what happened that made God not walk amongst us? Well, God. Sin. Exactly. And, and it wasn't necessarily Adam and Eve, right? It was Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother. I, I wouldn't want to watch my children make that kind of decision again, but I would watch them. So God goes back up. And looks upon us. You see how ancient this is? And this is them right here describing what that looks like. Us looking up at the top of the mountain. God looking down from the top of the mountain. God bringing clouds and all of that stuff coming down from above. This is, this is classic theology. This is, this is where... We get an idea of the eternal and the temporal. This is where it came from, what we just got done reading. Genesis, it's all classic theology. They're trying to explain God's up here, God's down here. How did that happen? Sin created a, a void. And we missed the mark. You know, there's this, this Hebrew understanding of kata. We've, we've completely missed the mark, but God has never stopped paying attention. God's just leading us to our own devices now. The ultimate role of the creator, of a creator. You got the knowledge, I'll give you the rules. That's right. Let's see where you go. And if you make the good choices, great. And if you don't, well, I'm still here. <laughs> and I still will implement destruction and discipline and, and all this stuff according to Jethro, which we go back to somehow. Another person that's not from the tribe of Israel leading them in the right direction. Just pointing that out a couple of times. I've been surprised and have not seen any numbers, but how many uh, single gods there is back then. Yeah. I mean, with different cultures. Yeah. It's, you know, that pops up there, but it's it's not, an, um, for, for all of the gods they have, <clears throat> a single god is seen in quite a few different cultures. Yeah. Of course, that still could be from Abraham if you simply had a history of sure. where those people come from. Well, and, and 
and some even go back all the way to Noah, right? So the three boys, they spread apart, right? And and there had to be a one God here. So that's how come everybody worships, that, that everybody knows of that one culture that has the, a God uh, that is around this tribe. All these people around this tribe are saying that. And at the end of the day, it's really fascinating in anthropolo anthropological lens because in almost every aspect of every culture around them, they all knew who the Jews were. Uh, and they all knew that there was this, and, and even if they weren't Jewish, these people in Midian knew, oh, there's this one God that we all worship to. It, if you want proof <laughs> that they all worshiped many gods, but everyone knew that there was one, look at Paul. Paul's in Rome, and he's talking to them, and he says something to the effect of, uh, so you know that temple at the end of the street that is it's the no-name God? Unknown God. Yeah, this is him. And they all go, oh, cool. And nobody had a problem with that. <laughs> that. There's your proof. Even all the way to Rome, they got that idea. So, all right. Any questions, comments? Because it gets really theological. <clears throat> but now God is going to change yet one more time. This is... The love of God is what... Oh, yeah, the love never changes. Of all the things that we've done. Right. <laughs> How can he still love us? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah. Well, uh, now God is going to change one more time in, in description. This is what I was telling you guys that we call the Decalogue of what God is. It doesn't really change, but just the way we view it. So God spoke all these words saying, I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods beside me. You shall not. Make for yourself a sculptured image or any likeness of what is in the heavens or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord God, am an impassioned God, visiting the guilt of the parents upon the children, upon the third and upon the fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing kindness to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not swear falsely by the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not clear one who swears falsely by his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, or your cattle, or the stranger who is in with your settlements, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and mother, that you may long endure on the land that the Lord your God is assigning to you. Listen to that language, assigning to you. Do you remember that part of the Ten Commandments? You shall not murder, huh? Yeah. We, we, we always remember the honor of your father and mother. Well, but so that you live long in the land which I shall give you, which they're still fighting for. So. That's just still fighting. <laughs> exactly. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, nor covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female slave, or his ox or his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. All the people witnessed the number, the thunder and lightning, the blare of the horn, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they fell back and stood at a distance. 
You speak to us, they said to Moses, and we will obey, but let not God speak to us lest we die. Moses answered the people, be not afraid, for God has come only in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him, remember this is not a bad thing, may ever be with you, so that you do not go astray. So the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. So God spoke all those words, and Moses hasn't went up on the mountain yet. Oh, well, it doesn't say. Yeah, it doesn't say. Let's keep going because I'm going to finish this chapter because it makes a little sense. The Lord said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the Israelites, You yourselves saw that I spoke to you from the very heavens with me. Therefore, you shall not make any gods of silver, nor shall you make for yourselves any gods of gold. Make for me an altar of earth and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings. Ding, 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 ding. There's your worship. And they're not there yet. And they're not even (laughs) there yet. And your sacrifices of well-being, your uh, or your peace offerings, uh, your sheep and your oxen, and in every place where I cause my name to be mentioned, I will come to you and bless you. And if you make for me an altar of stones, do not build it of hewn stones, for by wielding your tool upon them, you have profaned them. Do not ascend my altar by steps, that your nakedness may not be exposed upon me. I always yes. thought that one was weird. There was, mm-hmm. there was a thing. I think it was just a rumor thing, but was that girls shouldn't wear patent leather shoes because then boys could see a reflection of something. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I just now caught what you're saying. (laughs) It's this idea right here. That's really (laughs) good. That's funny. Yeah. Not funny. Ha ha, but that's weird. weird. That's weird. So what what are we missing here? Wouldn't that be what the temple is, though? I mean, the temple was made of huge stones. Huge stones. And there are steps absolutely going into the (laughs) temple. Way steps. Many steps going into the temple. So some of these are guidelines. Yeah. I try to take the Ten Commandments as something God had in mind, but then when it gets down to all those details in the 613 or however many you said, um, I take some of those with a grain of salt. I don't know that God had those in mind. Again, this is an issue. Who wrote that? Mm-hmm. So I hate to, to repeat this because I don't remember the gentleman's name, but I was listening to a Jewish scholar. Oh, yeah, yeah, the you were talking about. And his response to some of the things he was saying was that um, the so along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but the words belong to God, but the laws belong to the people, <laughs> and they could do with them as they please. And he was not laughing when he said <laughs> he this. He said that. Yeah, we did it. He was saying it joking i don't even say jokingly he was saying it yeah but but he was not he he meant for that to be truth i mean what else are we missing so we just read the ten commandments what do you remember about the ten commandments 
they were supposed to be cut on stone. Mm-hmm. And Moses yeah, was supposed to come down from the mountain with them. Maybe we're not there yet. We're not, we're not there know. yet. We're not. So God has spoken to Moses is basically what's happening. Yeah. But we're missing. Telling it to Aaron? Telling it to Aaron. But the story is so much more fantastical than that. Where's the burning bush? It was way back when Moses was called. Mm-hmm. Where's the... You want another one? <laughs> this is how it's always portrayed. Oh. It's always a portrayed. Burning bush? Yeah, the, there's a burning bush. And then there's... You watch the case, too many movies. That's my point. <laughs> this this is the this is the problem with our our culture is this none of that was biblical. God did not approach Moses in a burning bush and gave him the Ten Commandments. No, he does a whole lot of time in between him. there. That's right, a whole lot of other stuff. The sandals, I'm taking his sandals off because he's on holy ground, same mountain, by the way, right? This idea, yeah. <laughs> he's on the same mountain, and he takes his feet, his sandals off because he's on holy ground. Did not do that here at all. How did we lose the mountain? Hmm? They, I said, how did we? How did we lose the mountain? They know where everything else is, and I'm talking about the the actual geographical Mount yeah. Sinai. This is where God spoke to the people of Israel. It seems like that would have been as important to them as where He said foot, maybe more so. More so, I, would I think. mean, because they weren't the chosen people when He was walking around on the earth. <laughs> they didn't become the chosen people until a few days later. It's a great question. <laughs> so they don't know where the mountain is, but they claim Jerusalem because of, well, they can claim it all they want. They don't have it, but that's neither here nor there. This, this, is, this is the, okay. So I'm going to give the, 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 the three and a half minute soapbox. <laughs> we cannot completely prove archaeologically that any of these places exist right in the same way you all can't prove where it was that jesus approached paul on the road to damascus we just know it happened why because we believe that and maybe losing it's the wrong word i don't understand why they don't claim no i'm 100 with you. i mean like it's it was such a weird disjunct feeling when I'm in Palestine and we're on the side of the mountain that he supposedly gave the Sermon on the Mount and he gave him the Beatitudes. And like how touristy and dis- I felt dirty in that place. Does that make sense? I'm sitting here next to this beautiful chapel. It's this, this great place and I'm surrounded by all of these metal and plastic and vinyl signs and you know this all of this weird stuff and there's a cement trash can here where a custodian was coming and changing plastic bags and this is the place that jesus gave the sermon on the mount that's that's what was going through my head just the the juxtaposition of what that represented to a tourist trap yeah you know and and then and and we had just and, and the only thing i wanted to see was the sea of galilee and i got 30 minutes to put my hands in the water like that's what it felt like that's all i got but then i had to spend an hour at this god-awful tourist trap and i was still really i'm still angry about amongst a year and a half later you know so then there's the mount sinai conversation we know without a shadow of doubt where hebron is 
We, not a single culture out there argues that Abraham's bones are in the bottom of this cave and that Sarai's bones are there and then Isaac's and Rebecca's and Leah's and all, all of their family, right? We all, they all, none of them argue that. But where's the foot of the mountain? Where did God approach Israel? None of them can agree. I thought there was a Mount Sinai on the map. There was. There absolutely was. But they're not sure that's where it was. They, they're not. None of, them, <laughs> none of them can agree. And so what do we do? We keep paying people to find it. Yeah, we, 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 this is, this is the soapbox. My problem today is, is that we want, we want proof, but this, this is one of those things that I don't have to have. And proof's not what I'm after. Oh, I, I, I just find it that That's no, important. no one claims, and you know, I know very little about the Samaritans, but the thing I know <laughs> is that they worshiped the wrong mountain. Thank you. Big, big problem, you know. <laughs> so, so the Jews really don't like them because they're worshiping on the wrong mountain or the wrong place. That's right. And they're one, they're a monotheist. And there is a monastery somewhere around Mount, Mount Sinai. Or yeah. there is a monastery there. They just don't know where where God was. Exactly. Or they have a monastery there where they think is where the area. Well, I mean, it's like because it's got a bunch of old books. Yes, and there's a and there's this road that goes to Jericho that I got to walk, and there's these hermitages built along the sides of the cliff that these people have been using for thousands of years. <laughs> it just still blows me away. Oh yeah, that's where you know my great 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 grandfather uh, used to be a rabbi. He used to sleep there, you know, and on the side of the okay, you know, because that's where God was. Like it's this. But they, they, they've made it holy. But why why would you not? Where God, where they all agree that God was on earth, why would you not try to make that holy? Was it just well, one I can person? Think of, it's the whole nation. Right. I can think of one reason. It may not make any sense, but they associated the mountain not only with the Ten Commandments, but with having been in slavery and being rescued and then having to spend 40 years in that area and so that is not a good feeling. Whereas Jerusalem, David conquered and took the city and called it his. And Solomon built a temple there. And that's where they worshiped for forever, forever, as long as they were there. Mm -hmm. And so that has better memories than, than the Mount Sinai does. I, I would 100% agree with that midrash. There's, there's a, a psychology that goes into this. Why would you want to worship in the place that pain and suffering is going to come from you know it's it's this why why do you think you don't see jewish synagogues work all over germany yeah you know it's the same it's the same idea it's um they were kicked off they were in the presence and then now they're out in the desert in the wilderness again i, I don't know i'm i mean i'm just rampant at this point but it's just to me it's 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 fascinating because here's your first example of the Ten Commandments, and there's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, just you know, the, there's the curse. You know, we don't, we don't ever talk about the curse. I'm going to be mad at the, to the fourth generation. It's going to take a thousand generations before everything's fine. Anybody catch that? Yeah, thousand generations. And then they, Jesus complains when the I can't remember if it's the mad guy or the blind guy, and they said this 
parents did something and that's why this happened to him. Yeah. And Jesus said, no, um, that it's only our own sins that cause us troubles and not the others, which is a huge dichotomous <laughs> difference from what's here. Yeah, that's a huge problem. There's a, there's a lot of things that Jesus does as a rabbi uh, that would be awesome in today's culture, uh, but was super blasphemous, her heretical even at, at this time. And that was one of the big ones. Thousand generations to pay for that sin. Gosh, it's awful. But that's not what ends up being said. So everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> that it, that's not what ends up Moses. Moses doesn't go back to the people and say, hey, guess what? Everything you've done wrong, you'll never be forgiven for until a thousand <laughs> generations later. <laughs> a thousand once. Yeah, now Ooh, that's all good. That's right. uh, he doesn't say that, so we got we got that. The um, I love I love the Sabbath part. Um, we never have learned how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't I don't think I think in the well, I just we just we just really struggle with this idea of rest. If I have time to, as I used to say when I worked at fast food, if I have to lean, I have time to clean, right? So <laughs> the seventh day, is, you should keep busy. You should always keep busy. If you sit still, idle, idle hands are the devil's work, right? Yeah, it's, that's right. It's, yeah, I don't know where that came from. I had, had an aunt that got close or closer than I've ever seen, and she simply prepared all the meals the day before. And then on Sunday, you know, and here here on Sunday you went to church so I always okay well what's the preacher doing now they kind of skirted that because <laughs> well their preacher was uh, a member of the congregation oh okay they well he still shouldn't have I been mean, working so that's still well wrong. he probably did his the night before right that's right all he did was speak so sure. he's just that's an effort still anyway but they're the only ones, I, or she's the only one I ever saw that came close to doing anything like that. And I hate to say it this way, but it was a whole lot easier. They were a farm family <laughs> and lived out in the country. Mm -hmm. And the only thing they would have been doing is toiling in the fields if they were to do something. No, we milked I mean, the cows whether it was Sunday or not. Yeah, better do that. Yeah. Well, you dairy farmer people are. They had, they had one cow, so I don't know if they did or didn't. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, it, if it was a dairy cow, they had to milk it one time a day. I don't care what you do. Yeah, that's right. They're dairy people. Well, and that's that's another thing that's really fascinating to me. They're but these people had cattle too. They had cattle too, and they did goats too. Yeah. Right. And goats are the same way as cattle. You have to you have to milk them regularly. Uh, but it was it was fascinating to me when you start looking at it from the that agrarian perspective like that's kind of physically impossible yeah. on on a lot of animals you you have to you have to maintain them. so but uh but the interesting thing is that the the farmer families understand some, uh, worship like there is a moment where we stop and pay homage to god sometimes my mom my, my grandma their our whole family what they did is that they did the same thing. They prepared the meal on Saturday so that they could go to worship, still maintain that they had to take care of the cattle, but they would go and do all this stuff and then they came home and the rest of the day, other than the, the, the basic chores that you had to have done, were done. You didn't, you didn't go out and plow a field on Sunday. 
you didn't go out and uh, you know you didn't go out and harvest on a, on a Sunday, but you did you did everything else the same, which is fascinating to me. Could, could they have? And I'm just throwing this out, trying to give everybody a get out of jail free card here. <laughs> could they have simply divided? Half of them worshipped yes. the Sabbath on one day. Half of them worshipped the my next day. My professor said that it didn't say who takes what day is the seventh day. <laughs> so it, it is, so people who work a split schedule could still have a day when they're when they're and she said that, but that's when they do their chores. So <laughs> that's right. Well, she she said anthropologically that made more sense to them. So if if you had seven people in the family, somebody was always taking. A day of Sabbath. It might not be the seventh day, but the worship day was the most important, right? But again, they didn't worship like we do. You only went to temple at certain festivals, right? So you all have a completely different idea in the sense of, well, we worship on Sunday, or if you're a Seventh day Adventist, you worked on Saturday, you know. Uh, regardless, their worship schedule was different for us. So I've heard I've heard professors argue that they could be on a split schedule so that everyone had one day off completely. But the only problem we find is, is the idea of jubilee. The, the jubilee was the part that was in, impossible to do when you gave the seventh year where you didn't plow the land you didn't milk the cattle or goats. You didn't. And the land went back to the original owner, which has got to be impossible after 50 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, 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 that was, no one has shown any anthropological truth that that ever happened. But it's a, it's a cool concept. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> yes. it's a nice idea. Yeah, it, impossible. It makes sense. I mean. Yeah. We're going to pause there uh, because then what they're going to do is, is they're going to give us civil and criminal law uh, and then before he gets to present everything again. So uh, let's break. Wait, let me stop recording. Those of you in the ether, did you all have anything or comment you wanted to make on that before I stopped the recording? They've all gone to sleep. <laughs> Happens. <laughs> They've been 